Today on Ag News Daily. I'm wearing Skechers tennis shoes today that have soy oil in the, it's a Goodyear sole, and then it's made, it's in there. And so I never did I think I'd be walking on soybeans. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the field too, I'm sure. Yes, yes. Good morning, listeners. It's a great Wednesday, September 14th here at the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Cassidy Zirkle joined by Tanner Winterhoff. How are we this morning, Tanner? We're great. We're having a good morning. And today's message is brought to you by Your Soy Checkoff. How's Cassidy doing? I'm great. The weather is so nice here in Missouri, and I am actually feeling like it's almost fall. I know. I'm excited for fall. It's uh, it's one of my favorite seasons, but uh, Delaney did check in on us yesterday and caught us giving her a hard time about being on vacation. So I guess it's not all play. She does do a little bit of work when she's away from the podcast. Yeah, I guess we should stop picking on Delaney while she's not here since she does actually listen. No, that's we'll never not stop picking on Delaney, just like I know the two of you don't stop picking on me when I'm not around. So that's just part of how this whole thing works together. Uh, first part that I'm going to start in here with Cassidy is combine sales rose while tractor sales were mixed. So the combine sales report from August improved in the U.S. and Canada year over year while tractor sales were mixed according to size. So the data comes from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Combine sales in the U.S. increased by 26% same month year over year to 790 units sold. The first eight months of the year, sales have risen 2.7% monthly, and total of 3,654 combines have been sold year-to-date. Total farm tractor sales last month were down 12% year-over-year, with 22,000 units sold. Year-to-date tractor sales are down 15% at 188,000. So the two-wheel drive tractors dropped the most, four-wheel drive tractors also sales plunged the second most and those uh, light duty mechanical front wheel drive tractors were the only category that was up and that's the reason they are mixed demand for everything other than the smallest of units remains positive supply chain difficulties are still a little bit difficult to sort out they're still going to be in the way it looks like says kurt blades uh senior vice president of the industry sectors so more for us to keep an eye on, but it looks like people are looking at upgrading combines this year, Cassidy. Well, Tanner, another thing that is showing supply and demand in the marketplace is Texas peanut crops. It looks like the acreage for peanuts has gone down significantly in Texas this year, just like all of the other crops in Texas have because of the really intense drought. The typical acreage for peanuts in Texas is about 180000 and this year it was only around 135000 So the prices for peanuts are rising, and it might be a lot harder to find them in the grocery store. Oh, dang. That's uh, one of my favorite little snacks is a handful of peanuts or putting some peanuts on my ice cream. So I might have to go stock up because I I don't want to be out and don't want to be frustrated paying extra prices in the store. Looks like, though, Cassidy, the oil slide that we talked about last week may find a bottom. So the Biden administration is reportedly considering refilling the strategic petroleum reserves. So they're looking at setting a price in the petroleum reserves at $80 a barrel, which therefore would put a floor underneath that falling market currently. 
Such a move would follow a three-month decline of about 30% off the price. Long-term trading range has taken a hold uh, at nearly $85 a barrel, but if this move from the Biden administration takes place, traders are saying that this would pretty much lock in a floor at $80 per barrel for crude oil. Well, thank you for that update on the oil, Tanner. Another thing that's been in our conversations a lot lately is avian influenza. A good friend of the podcast, Parker Williams from Ducks Unlimited, sent me an update on some things they are doing in response to avian influenza. The USDA had passed a rule that any Canadian waterfowl that was killed in Canada could not be brought over the border into the U.S., but scientists at DU actually teamed up with the USDA to write some regulations for that so that waterfowlers can bring their game back over the border after they kill them. So those regulations are now up and in effect. So anyone going to Canada to hunt duck or any other waterfowl can now bring them back over the border if they follow those regulations, which can be found at afis.usda.gov. Hey, that's good information. That's a good resource for us to have. Here is a good message from our partner for today. Who mapped the soybean genome? You did. Yes, you. Better varieties are on the way. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are achieving big breakthroughs in seed. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your soy checkoff research sequenced the soybean genome to help seed companies and other researchers bring better varieties faster to your operation. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. Thank you to the soy checkoff for being a proud partner of Ag News Daily. Casting another piece of the news that isn't new, but we're seeing a little bit of progress. The U.S. Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, is hosting a meeting between the railway company executives and union leaders today in Washington. This is obviously aimed at preventing potential net work crippling strikes the first of three decades and uh, we all know that they have until friday at midnight to reach an agreement with unions representing around sixty thousand members of course bnsf is the nation's third largest freight operator and is also included in this dispute so you know where berkshire hathaway's uh, representatives are going to be if the strike goes into effect we've all talked about this could cost the U.S. economy around $2 billion a day, a shutdown around 30% of the country's freight traffic, disrupt passenger rail networks, and include to inflationary pressures by delaying key energy, food, and consumer goods, as well as those that are trying to feed livestock and agriculture. So according to the Association of American Railroads, Casty, which we had an interview with the president of that association a while back, the country's Freight rail network comprises of 140,000 miles of track across 49 states and carries 70,000 long-distance Class 1 trains per day. President Joe Biden, who put the internal task force together, known as the PEB, is looking to push this meeting forward and has put a lot of emphasis on this, stating that uh, the government has no option but to reach a solution prior to Friday. So a lot of pressure on this meeting and those that are participating in it today. Yes, Tanner, I did reach out to our friends at the American Railroad Association, and they have made a lot of different statements. They weren't able to come on the show to talk about any of these things, but they have talked about how they're securing shipments for hazardous and security-sensitive materials like chlorine to purify drinking water and things like and fertilizer 
um, in case this strike does go into effect, they are preparing. That's good to hear that they're taking the offensive side of this and not just sitting back to watch it happen. Absolutely. Someone else is who is taking an offensive approach to their situation are Florida citrus farmers. Seems that greening has been a big problem in citrus farming in Florida this year. So a lot of farmers are looking at the alternative crop bamboo of all things. They're testing this crop throughout the state to see how it will react, but it seems to be promising. Wow, that's not the alternative crop that I thought you were going to mention. So uh, interesting. I've never heard of growing bamboo. I've seen bamboo shoots and uh, have certainly watched a lot of shows on TV that includes that, but uh, that'll be a, a new one for me. I wonder if that, Cassidy, would fit into climate smart agriculture because the USDA has now spent months working with a handful of funding recipients and has now decided to invest up to $2.8 billion into 70 projects under its first Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities Funding Pool. The projects seeking these funds range from $5 million to $100 million and include everything from flood control to building carbon markets. More than 450 proposals to the USDA's Partnership for Climate Smart Commodities were reviewed, and the funding recipients include government entities, co-ops, conservation groups, universities, small businesses, and large corporations. Farm Journal is proud to announce that their sustainability division, Trust in Food, is among one of the USDA partnerships for climate smart commodities. That is a project that will receive funds coming out of this. Obviously, Tom Vilsack, USDA secretary, says these efforts will increase competitive advantages of U.S. ag, both domestically and internationally, while building wealth in rural America. So quite a bit of funds there deployed, Cassidy. I saw that article too, Tanner. And to touch on what you said for your transition there, I think the bamboo farmers in Florida will actually benefit from that because bamboo is a great sequester. It says in this article that it can sequester between 20 and 40 tons of carbon dioxide per year while generating 35% more oxygen than an acre of trees. So I think they will definitely benefit from that climate smart ag funding. Yeah. No, I think that would be a prime spot for that to be funded into. Well, Tanner, that's about all the news I have today. How are the markets looking? Well, pretty good. Let's pause one more time for a message from our sponsor for today before we get into the markets. Who's the number one protein source in chicken feed? You are. That's right. You're winning. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are really big in animal ag. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your Soy Checkoff is working with poultry and livestock producers, growing existing relationships and forging new ones to bring tangible returns back to you. See all the ways your Soy Checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. One quick little piece before markets teased you there. Sorry, folks. Uh, Looking at the EPA having discussions right now, they're on track to propose a new renewable fuel standard after this year by mid-November. We had reported on that earlier, and they are now expecting to ensure retailers can sell E15 year-round. So more to come on that story, but wanted to make sure that headline got included. Grains, for the most part, are down a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday, fell into Wednesday. It looks like for us, the December corn market at 686 and 5.8, down 4 cents for the day. 
The November bean contract at 473 down five and a quarter. Wheat, as we look into the December contract, is up. The only grain that is green for the day, 867 up six and yeah, six and a half for the day. And into livestock, as we look at the live cattle contract, both October and December live cattle are down a quarter today at 144 and a half and 150 and a quarter. Feeder cattle uh, down a quarter in the front month, September, October's trading down 12 and a half. Lean hogs also down for the day, 90 cents at 94.85 for October and down five cents for December at 85.65. So interesting mix in the markets today. Not a lot of green on the board as we look here mid-morning. But let's jump into a conversation today and learn more about the soy checkoff. Folks, we are so excited today to be joined by April Hemis, a farmer from Hampton, Iowa, also current United Soybean Board and Iowa Soybean Board. April, you are very famous in the, especially Iowa farming world, but also in the soy world. So we're very excited and honored to be joined by you today. Wow, thanks. Famous. (laughs) No, you know what? It's so easy to talk about soybeans because it's does everything it's it's such a great commodity to talk about so i can't wait and you are a soybean farmer i am so we love that you get to talk about the product that you grow i have been for 38 years now i've been growing soybeans can't believe it i love that and you know i'm sure in your 38 years of farming you've seen a lot of changes in the soy industry especially when it comes to the uses of soybeans yes unbelievable never did i think there would be thousands literally thousands of uses for soybeans you know when we were raising it it's like well it's just another crop to put after corn and then you know then biodiesel came in and now we have renewable diesel i farm with my dad and grandpa Everybody hated raising soybeans, you know, and now it has become so far. I have literally doubled the yield from when I came home, started farming. And then now we have all these markets we can do it. The new uses, I mean, you know, like with the biodiesel, now renewable diesel is coming in and SAF, which is sustainable aviation fuel, that market's really taking off. Um, But, you know, not only that, I just went to Los Angeles and talked with fleet managers for the United Soybean Board. And these are like, you know, the the, uh, fire trucks, police department, all that from L.A. to, you know, uh, Long Beach and... Beverly Hills, I want you to know the the fleet manager for Beverly Hills is from a farm in Minnesota. I love so, that. So, yeah, so it's like, oh, great. And we, what we were talking about is now Goodyear is making tires mm-hmm. with soybean oil, you know, and the, the asphalt that, you know, I just was in the varied industries building, it's there, was produced or was went with um, Iowa State University, developed it. And, you know, that has the best story because... Iowa Soybean went to Iowa State, said, we have this high oleic oil, can you do something with it? And um, they developed this additive for asphalt. Um, It's cheaper, it's more sustainable, it's readily available, and cherry on top, it lasts longer and is a better product. So, you know, these are things that our checkoff dollars are going towards, 
you know, to improve it. I'm wearing Skecher tennis shoes today that have soy oil in the, it's a Goodyear sole, and then it's made, it's in there. And so I never did I think I'd be walking on soybeans. Literally. literally. Yeah. 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 Well, in the field too, I'm yes, sure. Yes. So it's kind of fun. And, you know, we can't forget our exports and how much, you know, ev- everything feeds. It goes into wood glues. And um, in San Diego, I was just there too, and it's called Sinlon. It's AstroTurf. Yeah. And, it, and the backing is made from soy. So um, all these things combined, these are just... Uh, just I just mentioned five of the thousand things. That it, you know, <laughs> and there literally are a thousand <laughs> things. <laughs> there are. One of the ones that I think is really interesting that you mentioned a little bit there was the idea of replacing crude oil with high oleic soybean oil yes. in place of that. And yes. the different uses of that, but also leading to the idea of becoming more sustainable as an industry really seems like something that USB is very focused on. It really is. Not only on our farm, you know, I always like to say, they say, what's sustainability on your farm? Well, I... I've been, my family farm is over 120 years old. Economic sustainability, if I'm not there, you know, someone else is farming it. But we're, we're farming sustainably to keep our soils healthy. And then the consumers are also recognizing that, too, and really demanding it in the products they're buying. And what a better sustainable product than high lake soybean oil. You know, we can drop that in there instead of that crude oil or some of the chemicals that go along with it. And like I said, we're raising it. It's readily available and and has a great sustainability story. So I think that's a good place to ask, you know, because we hear sustainability as a buzzword. And I think every farmer probably has their own definition of what that looks like. What does that look like to you in your operation? Well, it kind of answered part of it, you know, just being on the farm and keeping that soil healthy. And because every farmer I know that owns their ground, their main goal is to pass it on to the next generation healthier then they got it. And that's truly my goal. And um, and I can't think of a better goal for sustainability. You know, and then knowing I'm producing this crop, you know, that has so many places in in the new uses and fuels and not and feeding livestock and feeding humans with the plant based diet coming on. So it's kind of a it's a win win for any farmer. Absolutely. As you look at the future of US soy what do you see coming down the pipeline? Oh, boy, so many things. It's so exciting. I always go back to my grandfather, who lived to be 101 years old, started farming with three horses, and lived long enough to see auto steer wow. come in. So think of that change. Mm-hmm. So I look at mine and say, wow, I've doubled my you know, yield already. And, and the, with new uses, and it's replacing oil now. It used to be meal was the driver of soybeans. Well, now it's turning to oil. So I look, what new uses for meal can we have other than feed? You know, and it's in wood glues. We're looking at a lot of different things. So, um, you know, with the investments we have in, in all this industry, it's just great. I just, I love telling farmers what their checkoff dollars are doing because it's creating new markets. So I don't know. I think the sky's the limit, literally. Ah, especially with soy aviation fuel. (laughs) I got that in there, didn't I? Absolutely. The future of soy is bright. Yes, in the skies and in the ground. (laughs) Well, fantastic. Folks, if you have questions or want to follow up on any of these interesting uses of soy that April touched on here, you can head to unitedsoybean.org. April Hemis, thank you so much again for joining us today on the podcast. We certainly appreciate it. It was my pleasure.
Another great conversation coming from Farm Progress Show and our awesome sponsor this week. Always great to learn a little bit more about the U.S. Soy Checkoff. I like it when ads and advertisers are able to put a story behind the message that they're providing. So it's always great to have good partners and to learn more about them. Cassidy, we did it again. If I'm right, uh, Delaney will be back tomorrow. But for today, what do you say? Should we let listeners go? Let's let them go.